and welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and most episodes <laughs> by my co-hosts. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> she once had to take her headphones off because she was podcasting too good. Whitney Nelson. Hell yeah. It's probably true. And watching him raise his arms in triumph as he returned to his co-hosting spot, I swear I was lifted to a better place. <laughs> Evan Wells. How can he see me? <laughs> it's nice. Welcome back, Evan. Thank you. Good to be back. Most excellent. Most excellent. I saw you were recreating Point Break in California, which was very exciting. Was. <laughs> it felt good. I actually... I. I hit on a lot of the things that take place in that movie, one of which being yelled at for doing it wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, that was good. Um, do, you, do you think you could get as good at surfing as Johnny did uh, in 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 a short, such a short amount of time? Uh, yeah, I can't. It, I got up like four or five times, which from what I hear for your first time surfing is pretty cool. All um, right. So I think I'm going to get into it. I, I got the bug. Uh, I'm going to scoop up my own wetsuit and you know see how i do when i travel to different places <laughs> but i liked it a lot i i kind of get it like why it's so great because what ends up happening is that you're just looking for waves right you're because you have to prep you have to like turn around and swim and, and catch up to it so you spend hours potentially sitting on a board in the middle of the of the ocean literally staring at the ocean <laughs> and like what's not soothing about that and then every now and then you kind of get to like harness the power of said ocean and that's pretty cool so i get it now like why everybody loves it and why it's so chill there you go okay i'm into it that yeah, checks out it. that checks out yeah yep all right well we are not here to talk about Point Break. We're here to talk yeah. about something different. But before we get to that, uh, up top, I want to mention, you can find the website, as always, coolbreezepod.com. Email us, coolbreezepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod, where we have many delightful interactions with a lot of different people. If you like what we do and you want to support it directly, you can join us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash coolbreezepod. Reap all manner of extras and behind-the-scenes stuff that I have yet to upload. That's great, though. It's coming. I promise. And if you don't want to throw any bucks our way, a review on iTunes is just a really incredible and genuinely lovely thing to do for us as people bringing joy into your life. Hopefully. Hopefully. Ideally. Ideally. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely bringing joy into your life. <laughs> yeah, without question. So, Ev, huh? what are we here today to do? Well, we are talking about a film called Hardball. Uh, the plot synopsis from IMDb is as such. An aimless young man who is scalping tickets, gambling and drinking agrees to coach a Little League team from the Cabrini Green Housing Project in Chicago as a condition of getting a loan from a friend. This movie was directed by Brian Robbins, who produced a huge number of sports-related films and documentaries, uh, and has also directed Varsity Blues, Ready to Rumble, and Meet Dave. Um, Co-starring alongside Keanu in this film is Diane Lane, John Hawks, and D.B. Sweeney. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I'm most curious about what the critics and the audiences may have thought. Whitney, do you have any mm. input there? Yes, indeed. Uh, so we have on Rotten Tomatoes a 40% critic score and a 70% audience score. Mm. And that makes sense to me overall <laughs> that the audience would rate it higher than the critics would. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll talk more about that in a moment and I will sure. give you my thoughts on why. The critic score is much lower than the audience score, but uh, we have a, a quote from the critic Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, who Ooh. said, A smarmy proposition passing itself off as family fun in the style of bad news bears. Whoa. Yeah. And then we have a user quote on Rotten Tomatoes from Anthony G, who gave it two out of five stars and says, A better than expected kids film does not reinvent the wheel, but keeps it rolling. Well, that's nice. Is this a kid's film? A film about uh, kids? That is, I, that is part of the question that uh, <laughs> I take issue with uh, when we talk about if this movie works for us. Yeah. Mm, mm. I could say, based on a little trivia that I didn't end up using, this movie had like several F-bombs in it that sure they did. edited down to get to a PG-13 rating. So... Mm-hmm. They were actually trying to get this to be like a kids type movie or like teen young adult film, mm-hmm. which is a weird, just feels weird, mm-hmm. weird play. Mm-hmm. Well, even the even the f bombs in this movie felt weird. Like they didn't, <laughs> yeah, they didn't feel organic at all in this movie. Well, that's because but. they they I think I mean they just ADR they just dubbed over. Yes, they truly, yeah, oh, sure. some of it was rough. Yeah. If you were like looking at the kids specifically, you're like, oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's it's like they didn't reshoot scenes. No, not even to, For them to say something else instead of fuck. They literally just like taped over it. <laughs> nice. And I feel like that's part of the reason why they were so awkward seeming is because they never actually matched up well. Funk. Um, <laughs> wait, what did you, what did you think? Um, I mean, I did not like this movie. Okay. Uh, overall, it's too serious to be a comedy. It's mm. too like syrupy to be a good drama. It's mm. too adult to be a family movie, but too much about the kids. And clearly, they're trying to like with you know making it a PG thirteen instead of an R. They're trying to appeal to families or teenagers, but it's the kids are younger than that. So you're not talking about 13-year-olds watching 13-year-olds or 16-year-olds or whatever. You're talking about 13 and up watching 8-year-olds and 9-year-olds. And so I just feel like it didn't appeal to adults in the way that it could have. It didn't appeal to families in the way that it could have. It's I do think it's very derivative of sports movies. Like We kind of talked about that a little bit last week about last time we recorded about what we knew about this movie coming up. And, you know, what our impressions were. And I talked about all of the basic sort of like underdog sports movies, like yeah. Mighty Ducks and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think that in a lot of ways, this is exactly what it was, only it was much more uh, dark. And dark is not necessarily the right word. I feel like it was purposefully made to shock white people and to have like a bigger impact on white people uh because oh, of like it was so from a white privilege perspective 
and it yeah. didn't ring true. A lot of it didn't ring true. And while there's a lot of situations and circumstances and the whatever that these, you know, black kids in a not great part of town are going to grow up with a lot of these problems and whatever, it, it didn't feel authentic. I don't think anyone in the writer's process anywhere or director's process anywhere had actual experience with any of this because it seemed like they were using black kids to shock white audiences. Mm -hmm. And that bothered me. And there was no one specific instance where I felt like it crossed a line and I could point it out. And that may actually be why they toned down some of the language is because it was when all of the kids were saying fuck all the time. It was too, um, too shocking. Maybe for like <laughs> test audiences far, yeah. where they were like, okay, this is, uh, I can't, this is too hard for me to watch or something. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I don't have any specific instances where I was like, that's too far or that's over the top or that is a caricature or a stereotype. A lot of it was, I feel like handled fairly accurately, but it just was like turned up to 11 mm-hmm. for the shock value. And so I I didn't feel like it was specifically like exploitation, but I also don't feel like it wasn't. So this this movie just kind of didn't fit anywhere for me in any of the categories that you think it might. Um, The soundtrack was really great. And I very, very much like the use of Biggie's Big Papa as an actual plot device. Yeah, that's great. And no two people in the world that I've ever seen have less chemistry than Keanu Reeves and Diane Lane. (laughs) Uh, Yo, that's so true. So that didn't play in the romance aspect of it either. So I just feel like it just didn't play anything that they were trying to do. They didn't hit the mark. They were off on every every like base that they could be off base for. So Hmm. that's that's what I think. No, that's that's actually uh, really great. Like it's just too many extremes. And um, I agree wholeheartedly there. I will say that uh, the speech by Keanu at the end got me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That beat, that beat me up pretty bad. And like this is one of those show, the mo- shows, movies that you, you see like an hour of it or, or 30 minutes of it on TV every now and then. Mm-hmm. And because as soon as as soon as I got like an hour into the movie, I was like, oh, I know this movie. I remember G-Baby. Like, who's going to forget G-Baby? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the coolest little kid ever. And then like Keanu's speech, I had completely forgotten about. And so that really messed me up. But I thought um, I hadn't seen a movie where I know it's like way in the weeds, but where somebody tries to settle a gambling debt by teaching Little League. Like, I hadn't seen that before, so I guess that's original. <laughs> Originality but, of story. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing that really irked me, though, was, like, what happened to the dude that was originally coaching the team? He never came back in the movie. And why? He was back at the end for a, for a hot minute, but he never wanted to do that. Seems no. pretty clear to me that he was going to pawn that job off one way or another. Mm-hmm. The last time we saw him was just to give out the uniforms. That's it, yeah. And then it's like, never again. I don't know. I, that felt, I don't know. Anyway. Um, I feel like Keanu's performance was really hit and miss here. And I couldn't tell if it was because of Keanu or if it was because of, like, 
direction. Um, because like yeah. you're saying, Evan, with that, like, I feel like you did a really good job with that big speech. Um, I feel Definitely. like there were moments where he was connecting with kids where he was really genuinely connecting with them. And then there were times where he was so stiff and so wooden and I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. Yeah. The seems where he would like stand up for the kids and fight with like the other coach and stuff. Great. And then the speech was great. Like he got teary eyed and just nailed it. But yeah, there were parts. Um, I'm trying to think of an example they were just, yeah. Of a good example? No, of, I have another good of, example that I of think. bad. Like when, when oh. he just kind of missed, when he just was not all there or didn't know how to represent the character or whatever. But it was like, eh, why, why did you do that? So, um, but yeah, I thought there were, there were plenty of good for sure. Plenty of good. Yeah, I liked, uh, it, to add on to the two that you already mentioned, I really liked the... He goes to the school where Diane Lane works and he goes to like apologize to her. And then they have that moment where you're like, oh, there's supposed to be a romance here or whatever. And he just kind of breaks it, not breaks character, but like he's like, you mm -hmm. like me. Like, uh, I just yeah. I I was like, that was I I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. Like generally a movie like this, they're like, oh, will they? Won't they? And they eventually will. But like he just came right out and said it. And I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah. There were parts of it. That were uh, right up to the line of transcendent. And then it never quite gets there. Never quite got there for me. But I agree that the speech was it was crazy good. That's a point where you could just say like, oh, you say he can't act, can you? Do yeah. You? <laughs> Look at this. Behold this. Yeah. <laughs> so, Exhibit A. I agree with, with both of you on this one. Overall, the movie was very predictable, very derivative. I would watch probably a lot of the other films in this kind of category before before this one. I had I had a question though, and I'm hoping that the two of you can can answer this for me. Does Connor actually know anything about baseball? Because they never actually talk <laughs> about any baseball in this yeah. movie. It's like this thing that happens. I get annoyed by incidentally. That. No, I yeah. have a note. <laughs> Uh, there's like the one scene where Keanu Reeves asks the kids not to pick on one another and curse at each other on the field. And that is about the most coaching that we get from him as a coach in the whole movie. There's a lot yeah. of like yeah, interpersonal it. connecting with kids and whatever, but there's like coaching. There's almost zero coaching. There's yep. very right. little like technical anything in this game yeah they, i think they just were like we don't have time to get into those details there was a lot of baseball though so like they show they show kids playing baseball and stuff but they don't go into any of the like technical stuff of playing better and like coaching yeah, that's, the kids yeah. and right and they make a note of saying, like, in the beginning, like, th this team was dead mm -hmm. last last year. Like, they were the worst team on the league. And their first game, they get beat, whatever, 18 to 1 or something like that. So I was like, oh, it's going to be great to see these. They're definitely going to do some montages of them getting better and throwing farther and hitting. And Nothing. No. No. Nope. <laughs> you never get that. There's no progression. You see no training. You see no coaching. You see no. It's very weird. 
Yeah. I will also say, I have no idea really what Keanu Reeves' character's goals or motivations, like, what was Connor, like, all we, I, he wants to get out of debt. Okay. And he does. And then what? Like, I don't think the payoff between the kids, I, I don't think there was enough, like, there to make him change his entire life. Like, he's addicted to gambling, clearly. He's got a problem. But, like, this time that he, like, reluctantly spent kind of coaching these kids, really just watching them play baseball, makes him change his whole life and, like, somehow tutor them off screen <laughs> so they know what a wrinkle in time. It, like, none of this is shown. It's nothing. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. I... I feel like there's I feel like there's stuff cut out because I think Keanu Reeves sold it as much as possible that this guy just literally had no one that cared about him or that expected anything of him. So he was just drifting. And the second that someone expected or cared at all, he was like, oh, I'm not used to this. But that that was enough to, like, make him want to change his life. Keanu Reeves puts that subtext in there. But it's not yep. in the script. No. It is never it's not. it is never it, yeah, shown I, or told to us like why he's so miserable and why this makes him want to be a better person. Yeah. It <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to it's a lot to let you know the suspension of disbelief there is like, oh, you're you're testing me. Oh mm -hmm. Lord, you're testing me. I I think he was fine. It was really cool to see him singing and dancing mm -hmm. to Biggie. I'll say yeah, that. I was like, never expected that, that in a million yep. years. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else. It it just felt a little a little too uneven. Sure. Not not bad. Not good. Just like mm -hmm. meh. Just uh with some with some great parts like. Well, I think, and that's it. I think uh, normally you would have called this capital F fine. Right. Maybe it's somewhere, but it, it's like, yeah, somewhere between capital and lowercase f. If there was like a, a permutation in between, that actually might be <laughs> a more apt description of this film. I don't know, but it feels uh, like it slots in somewhere between them. Betwixt it's a lower the two. lowercase f with an underscore. <laughs> Right. I've underlined the F, yeah. <laughs> right. It's somewhere. It fits somewhere in there. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, do we have do we have any other thoughts on on this movie? The cinematography? Any was that no. remarkable for either of you? It was No. Yeah, I completely unremarkable in it's fact like, for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There was yeah. a camera. It's interesting because like shooting a sports movie, right? There are a lot of you there's a lot to draw from. Like we've been filming yeah. sports movies since there have been sports essentially, mm -hmm. right? Well, since there've been movies cuz there's been sports right. well, a lot longer than there's true. been movies. Yes, you are correct there. But I've seen some really interesting shots done in other baseball films and I'm like that's great from cuz you have a lot of different perspectives, there's a lot of space, you can get in tight, you can shoot wide. This movie slow did motion. A slow motion that generally works great in like a football film. That's what baseball too. You the yeah, pitch leaving sure. the hand. I, I mean, yeah. but none of that was here. I, it was just like a documentary almost. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> just like 
this is a movie about this is a movie about black kids playing baseball. I don't feel like anyone involved with the movie knew anything about black kids. I also am not sure that anyone involved with the movie knew anything about baseball. <laughs> like maybe that's why there were no shots that were interesting or dynamic in any ways and and nothing really in the script at all is that no one involved really knew anything about baseball enough to get technical or creative with it. Hmm. That feels right. I mean, the um this director, he did Varsity Blues also, mm-hmm. which I think was a pretty competently made football film. You know, it's like a teen type, you know. I haven't seen it, but I heard good things about it. Like, Right. Yeah. It's it's yeah. good. People actually compare that. I, I hear the comparisons drawn to like Friday Night Lights in terms. <laughs> yep. And one might have, you know, Varsity Blues may have been an inspiration for the, you know, what came later. But it was good. It was fun. Cheesy, but fun. Sure. And this just it just misses the mark mm-hmm. all the time. You know, the the only thing we get about baseball is like they mention strikes maybe once in the movie. I'm like, oh, and Sammy Sosa and Sammy Sosa is mentioned and that's it. <laughs> by name. <laughs> right. He appears in this film. Minor spoilers. Yep. yep. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so that's those are our thoughts on <laughs> Hardball, the film. The baseball film starring Keanu Reeves. I had fonder memories of it. This wasn't as devastating to yeah. me as the uh, time with uh, Bogus Journey. I, I I was not as let down as I was with that. But, you know, I was like, ah. Yeah. So, I think it's time. I think so. Oh, it's been too long. I'm super excited. Are you both ready? Oh, I'm ready. I think. All right. Let's do this thing. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Pop quiz, asshole, is our very own quiz show where the host, in this case, me, Andrew, asks the contestants each three questions worth one point. If one of us gets it wrong, the other player has a chance to steal. The host, me, may also add bonus questions at the end worth a point value of their choosing. There are bonus questions. This movie Mm. had a a pretty okay amount of trivia, so some of it has to do with speaking rules, but we won't get into that. The current scores are as follows. Whitney has 65. Ev (laughs) has 38. And I have 43. Ev, you you know, the California trip costs you dearly. You Apparently. Know? <laughs> in more ways than one. Dan crushed it in your absence. I'm just saying. They did okay. Mm. So, all right. Since Whitney was the host last time, she will be going first this time. Are you ready, Whitney? I'm ready. All right. Look. Whitney, how many of the players... On the Kakambas have no dialogue in this film at all. Oh, oh. man, that's awesome. <laughs> Is it three, one, or five? I seems like a lot. I'm gonna go with three. That is correct. Nice. Three kids nice. in this movie say nothing. They're on that's the team, awesome. and you're like three out of nine. <laughs> the I won't get into it, 
but the number of kids on this team changes a lot over the course of the film. <laughs> yeah, I was counting. All right, Ev. Yeah. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. This is the feature film debut of what child actor that would go on to have a huge career in multiple beloved franchises? You do not have a multiple choice here. It's gotta be Michael B. Jordan. Well done. Yes. I was hoping maybe you didn't stick around for the credits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw it in the opening and I was like, what? Yeah. And then Michael Jordan, you might... not Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. What's going on here? Yeah. It was great. It was as soon as I saw him. I did not see it in either opening or closing credits, but the second that I saw him, I was like, all that dude did was yeah. get jacked. Like, <laughs> he's right. he looks exactly the zero same. Zero outside of that. <laughs> right? I would not have yeah. guessed, like, if you showed me a picture of Michael B. Jordan as a kid, that I would, out of context, with no anything, be like, oh, hey, that's Michael B. Jordan. But I did because he looks <laughs> identical to how he looks now. You're like, oh shit. How old do you think he is? It's Killmonger. Movie. I don't know, like 10, 11. Yeah. I, I would say 10? pretty much on wow. on point with how old he was supposed to be. I'd mm -hmm. say most of those kids are probably the age of, you know, that whatever the baseball oh, the age character. was right there, yeah. 10 to 12, something in that neck of the woods. But yeah. All right. Well done. It's crazy. Well done. You paid attention. I did. Whitney, are you ready? Mm hmm. All of the league's team names are taken from what? African tribes, African spiritual leaders, or pieces of African lore and mythology? Oh, cool. Hmm. What was the first one? African... Tribes. Tribes. You're both crushing it. Nice. 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 Lead done. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was, I was uh, thinking that might have been the case when, when you were hearing the names and seeing the uniforms and yeah. the colors were yep. like beautiful. I was like, ah, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. That was actually my favorite part of the, of the whole movie was the like sort of hints to African fabric designs and yeah. colors in the yes. uniforms. That was my favorite part because yeah. it was very it's great. That was the most true to life. I think if you had like a league that was a bunch of black kids in an inner city somewhere and it was separate from other leagues and stuff, I could absolutely see people doing that sort of colors or styles or making the jerseys look more like dashikis or something, but still keeping it baseball and keeping it American. Yeah. I love that. It was great. Yeah, it was truly great. When they got theirs at the end, too, I was like, Yes, <laughs> dream yeah. realized. All right, yeah, here we go, Ev. Mm -hmm. Two movies starring Diane Lane had the dubious honor of being the first films released after the September 11th attacks. It was this one, and what the perfect storm, the glass house, or must love dogs. Perfect Storm, Glass House. God, I loved Perfect Storm. Okay, I gotta think about timing here. Um, when was that? 
gonna say Glass House. Holy mackerel! Have you yeah. even seen that movie? <laughs> no, but I knew Perfect Storm was earlier. No, it was actually the same it. year. But you're true, earlier in the same year. And then Must Love Dogs was much later, around 2005, 2006. <laughs> These movies yeah. came out the same weekend, right? This was the wow. number one film, and The Glass House was the number two film. So, kind of interesting. Kind of interesting what people were seeking out in the wake of, of that situation. And Perfect Storm was so good. All right, Whitney. You mentioned the soundtrack, so this one is right up your alley. Are you ready? Hmm. The soundtrack containing all of the hip-hop songs in this movie and referenced in this movie was released and actually made it to the Billboard 200. What spot did it peak at? 28? 55 Whoa. or 122. Mm, yikes. You're saying the whole soundtrack? Yeah. 128 was an option, right? 122. 122. I'm going to say 122. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ooh. Mm. Uh, 55 and what else? 28. Mm, no way. Maybe, though. <laughs> uh, is this within the year? Or just like ever? Within, whenever, the year that the soundtrack was released. So 2001 okay. into 2002, I believe. Um... All I'm thinking about is the Dr. Dre album. Uh, 55. You did it, F! Yes! You crazy bastard. All right. Wow. Sweet. It might be worth subscribing to that on Spotify, Apple Music, or your platform of choice. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good soundtrack, to be oh, honest with definitely. you. definitely. All right, Ev. Are you uh -huh. ready? Uh-huh. This is a sports one. Ooh, Sports. The stadium Connor takes the kids to is now demolished. So what stadium was it? Chicago Stadium? McNichols Sports Arena? Or Lions Stadium? <laughs> uh, uh, damn. I'm going to say McNichols. What kind of name is McNichols? <laughs> the one that you picked? Yeah. Whitney? Uh, say my other two choices again. You have Chicago Stadium or Lions Stadium? Lions Stadium. You did Come it! On. You saw through my trickery. Oof. It was Oof. filmed in Detroit for the Lions, I think, is where... Maybe the Lions. I don't know sports. We've established this. I don't know a lot. sports either, which is why I was, I was like, <laughs> you have to name those stadiums again because I don't even know stadium names. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. All right. Oh, boy. All right. Are we ready for some bonus? Some bonus, Johns? Here we go. Ooh, yeah. How's this work? This, good, this one's going to be a true or false. Okay. Okay. And you can both answer. It's, it has nothing to do with it. This will be worth two points. So you both choose and then mm -hmm. we'll assign points. Here we go. Okay. Maybe an easy one, but hey, I like points. True or false? This was based on a true story. 
true. I'm also going to say true. You did it! I was yes. trying to keep you in suspense here. Okay. <laughs> Success. All right. Now, this is also worth two points. However, I've decided that this one is going to be the price is right rules. Closest uh, without going over. It's a number I need oh, from yikes. both of you. Oh, yikes. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I love changing the rules. In the end scene, where the team, spoilers, is holding their trophies, how many of the kids are actually present? Shit. <laughs> like the pictures, the still frames? The like still pictures under the credits? It's, uh, there's that scene where the camera's kind of panning from right to left over the team and they're all holding their trophies kind of right at the camera. How many kids are there during that scene? Seven. Okay, Evan goes with seven. Closest without going over? Without going over, that's correct. I'm gonna say eight. Whitney, hit the nail on the head, Come eight on. kids! Uh, <laughs> oh, damn it, I thought she was gonna say six, just to be. Holy shit. Yeah, well she could have said one and then got any number right, up to yeah. seven. Well, <laughs> that's, that was basically it. Do I say one over Evan or do I say the number one? And yeah. Whitney knows it's this It's easy game. when there's just two people to do the Price is Right rules. That's very true. <laughs> and it sucks for anybody. <laughs> if you're the first person, you can't say one, because then the next person could just say two, and then you're fucked. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my works. gosh. What a game. The what new game. points. The new points <laughs> are as such. Holy shit. Whitney moves up to 72 points. Evan, close the gap. 43. He is now yes. tied with me. So again, it's it's one of our games Ooh. to lose at this point. <laughs> neck and neck now. <laughs> Love it. Almost 30 whole points behind Whitney. Incredible. Love Incredible it. day. All right. Are we ready to to dive into this thing? I'm going to keep let's it pretty it. pretty tight here. Are Great. we ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay. We start the movie by meeting Connor with one in O'Neill. All right. And he is in a church, and you're thinking, man, this guy needs some help. He needs some spiritual guidance. He's all wet from coming in from the rain, apparently. Your father comes up, says, look, we got to close the church. It's time, son. You, got, you have to leave. Do you, need, do you need guidance? He's like, no, I need the bulls to cover the spread. We're like, oh, that's some good shorthand for who this guy is. He's a bit of a scumbag, I guess, right? And clearly a gambler. In the next scene, we see him at a bar watching the game, and uh, surprising no one, the bulls do not cover the spread. If you're in church praying, they do. It's probably the odds aren't great. He tries to make a run for it from the bar because the owner is the same person who is the bookie, I assume. And uh, he's unable to outrun the bouncers and the owner, and he eventually gets his ass kicked, mostly by himself, which I thought was an interesting choice. That was. So. <laughs> He punches through a car window, which is incredibly hard to do so with difficult. just your bare <laughs> I was so confused by this. No one can beat me up better than I can thing. Yeah, like what because is like, what do you win there? Like what 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 are you accomplishing? Yeah. Like if you're just being factual because you're good at beating yourself up, I feel like we should have seen a scene somewhere at the very beginning that establishes him hating himself. Right. 
like if it's metaphorical, but if it's realistic, like are, you're not scaring anybody by bleeding out on the sidewalk. No. no. <laughs> and and I to his credit, it looks like they did leave him alone, but he was passed out, <laughs> clearly glass in his head <laughs> on the sidewalk. So I I don't know. I don't All know. I could think about was uh liar liar. <laughs> Right. But like we know what he's trying to accomplish there. So like even if it's wacky, it makes sense in Liar Liar. Here, I the whole I was so confused by it because I was like, wait, what's the end goal of yeah. putting your hand through a car window and then smashing your head through the bar window? I guess he didn't he didn't want to give anybody like the satisfaction of beating him up. That's my <laughs> takeaway. <laughs> That's some weak ass shit, Ev. I'm gonna be- <laughs> it is, but just, like, I, doesn't make I, any other sense. And like, it's true. It's true. If that's the case, he needs to say something like, "I'm not going to give you the satisfaction," and then yeah, that's true. D- put his head through the window. Yeah. If it's no one can beat myself up better than me, is the line. I, I just don't know what he's getting at. <laughs> I don't know if he's just trying to like get out with fewer injuries. Than if they like took a baseball bat to him and broke a bunch of bones or something. If that, I don't know if that's what he's trying to do. It's very unclear. Yeah. And it's weird. It was a, it was a strange start and definitely a strange introduction to the character. Yep. We, uh, we see there's more bad news for Connor. Uh, he owes a lot of money to a lot of people apparently, or really just a lot of money to two different people. Yeah, he we find out he bet six thousand dollars under his father's name. His father's dead. And he's now severely in debt to two people. So the bookie slash owner of this bar that he kicked his own ass outside of and then six grand to a barber, which. okay, great. Or the barber. The barber. I I, apologies. Yeah, (laughs) I assume that the barber is. Only a barber as a front if he's even an actual barber at all. Right. He, I, we never see him cutting hair. I, Yeah, no. I, I just always assumed that he was like, that was his mob name because he scalped people or something. There you go. There you go. It's like. That was that was my guess. Yeah. It's like fortune tellers, you know. It's just a front. It is just but a front. He also did take money to a barbershop. Well, yeah. No, that's. I, I be, yeah, I believe it is a real functioning barbershop. But the guy who is the barber. Certainly does not bother himself <laughs> with touching hair. With cutting hair? Okay. <laughs> so we get all this in pretty short order. He's, a lot of people want to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. He, he visits a friend who works in securities or something very highfalutin. I, I did not, I, I don't know. Is that, was that right? Securities? That's like it's, a stocks thing, I guess, finance. right? Finance. Finance. Financies, yep. if you will. This friend, you know, he he basically comes right out and asks f- to cover, you know, he asks for $12,000. And the friend has a counter offer. It's a, a barter of, of, of sorts. He says, Connor, you're going to have to coach a baseball team of these uh, African-American fifth graders. They're from the Chicago Housing Projects. And in exchange for doing this, I'll give you $500 a week. And I, that math did not really check out for me because no. what is a baseball? I, I mean, I know they play baseball for a long time in the majors, but what do kids play for? Three, four months? I don't know. He needs $12,000. The math doesn't check out weekly. That's all I'm saying. Little suspect, <laughs> finance guy. 
<laughs> we also understand that this is clearly not the first time this uh, Connor has asked this dude for money. He's swindled him before with dead father funeral burial costs and stuff. I digress. Connor agrees, ultimately, shows up to the baseball field. Uh, you know, it. he kind of disparages the location. He's like, there's nothing behind those projects, but whatever, dirt or something like that. We get a lot of storytelling. Um, some of it's like very overt and subtle in the performances of these kids to indicate that this this area is not a great place to be. Like yeah. after mm-hmm. sunset, it is not, you do not want to be outside. Right out of the gate, Connor is also hindered by the fact that he doesn't have enough players to actually have a baseball team. I think he's got eight to start. You need nine. Yeah. We've, we find out that there are actually two more kids who want to play, but they can't because their teacher won't allow it. And apparently this teacher's name is Sister Wilkes. And there's this really awkward joke, not joke, where Keanu is piecing together that Diane Lane's character is nicknamed Sister, and she's not a religious nun. And I didn't, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be funny, but they played it like a joke, kind of. Her nickname is Sister. Who knows? Her name is Elizabeth, and that's what I will call her for the rest of this movie. Yeah. It doesn't matter. She's not a major character. As Whitney pointed out, the romance is very jilted. It's not good. He is eventually visited by the mother of the two boys in question who want to play on the team but are being held back. And uh, a, a deal is struck where... They could play baseball if he tutors these kids and gets them to read their books. Actually, I think it's just read one book. That's the deal. And it's A Wrinkle in Time, which is an excellent book. But that's just like a weird, it's a weird, weird deal. (laughs) So we get a couple training scenes up next, if you can call them that. Like we said, there's not a lot of technical baseball in this. It's mainly just him hitting balls at these kids sometimes at great speed <laughs> it's very disturbing one of the line drive but uh he works with the team you get this they're a ragtag group at first right and over the course of a couple practices or maybe just one his first order of business as whitney said as coaches you can't trash talk each other anymore like if you make a mistake that's not how teams work and i was like oh that's a good teachable moment right there that actually works Mm-hmm. And it seems like they start to get along a little bit better after that. But in the in the game we see that they're practicing for, they end up losing that. And I do have it here, 16 to 1. So a little bit of work ahead of us here. Yep. A lot of the kids are pretty dejected at this loss. All right. But Connor, you know, he brings them together with the universal gesture of friendship. And that, of course, is pizza. Everybody gets together and we can agree and be happy about pizza. So this single act, I believe, in my opinion, leads them to winning their second game, which is great. Nine to three. Good game. Keanu is also somehow successfully tutoring these kids about a wrinkle in time. He shows up in the classroom at one point, dressed rather oddly. He clearly doesn't have clothes that fit. This is for a side. so overdone. (laughs) Right. I I mean, if we just lowered them on the waist a little bit, this is clearly to get this kind of romance going where he says he works at securities and Diane Lane's not buying it. It it never actually pays off really well. 
so yeah, you know, okay, great. Over the course of the next few scenes, we see Connor. Oh, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself here. This whole time, Connor is still trying to take the easy way out. All right. He's, he's in touch with his friend who is, uh, like a pretty garbage person. He's a very bad influence, but he's like, look, you got to link me up with this guy who is another bookie. Uh, and he's like, what I want to do is make a $12,000 bet to cover what I owe these other two guys. And we all know this is a terrible idea. And again, the movie is trying to balance this idea of like, he's working with these kids, but the whole time he's got his foot out the door. Like he's just looking for any way to stop doing this. But until he gets this money, he's, he's, he's locked in. Over the course of the next few scenes, we see Connor is pretty stressed from these gambling debts. There's like a, a small chase that ensued when he got home because he, he didn't stop by the barber to pay him 500 bucks. He's, get, he's almost getting the hell beat out of him like left and right. And then this escalates on a, at a game on the baseball field because Jamal, one of the kids, is pulled after a competing coach. I believe that's D.B. Sweeney. I could be wrong, but I think that was him. He brings up a question of the boy's age, has him produce a birth certificate, finds out he's too old, I think. He's too old to play. And then he demands that the pitcher, Miles, can't wear headphones which we find out was his thing that let him focus and do his job. He just listens to, what is that song? Uh, on loop. I like God it when damn you it. Big, Papa? Big, Big Papa. Papa. I didn't know what the official, is it just Big Papa? That's the song? Yeah, Great. Big Papa. That's it. Kid listens to that on loop and he's like a pitching, he's like, just insert name of great pitcher here. Perfect. <laughs> Sports. <laughs> that's funny connor thinks that this opposing coach is is raising these points because you know for reasons that were not necessarily safety related he's like it's because these kids are from the projects you know we're wearing these ratty t-shirts instead of jerseys we don't have these uniforms all this stuff uh eventually in, like in protest he says that he's like forget it this is my last game and then all of the all the kids on the team are like, "Well, what the hell, man?" Yeah, clearly disappointed. Yeah. Meanwhile, we get this scene where Connor is watching the game that he put this twelve thousand dollar bet on, right? And it's a nail biter. Uh, it's Chicago and Miami, I think. Yeah. But uh, it's a basketball game, and he wins by the skin of his teeth. It's like super, super close, but he wins this bet. Yep, one three pointer. Yeah. His friend says, whoa, you can now take your $12,000 and double it. And we're like, you son of a bitch. If he does this, we hate you. We hate you even more. Yeah. I hate this movie if he does this. <laughs> right. He does not. It turns out. He pays off what he owes. Uh, mm -hmm. In the out. meantime, after that, he actually realizes that he has the equipment, the bats, the helmets, all this stuff in the back of his car. So he takes one more trip to the baseball field to drop this off. And there is no replacement coach there, as far as I could tell. So I don't think anybody was ever going to come to help these kids. Nope. And there's this scene that's like, it's not super earned, but I thought it was pretty well done. This kind of like inner turmoil is like, I feel a connection to these kids, but I want to go. But these kids, but I want to go. 
And he ultimately decides to stay with the kids, right? And what he ends up doing is saying, uh, have any of you ever seen a, a major league team play? None of them had. This was not, you know, given their circumstances, that was not something that would have been in the cards for them. So he takes them to the stadium to see the Cubs and he gives them like second row seats. So it's really, really great. And we see Sammy Sosa, which is a name I recognize. And I'm sure he did great stuff when he was playing baseball. So there you go. Sure. <laughs> Whitney, things. you understand. He had the home runs, I think. And, uh, yeah, no, he did the, he he ran, did the things. He ran fast. He did the baseball. <laughs> he did the baseball. So after this, um, it's a pretty, it's a, that's like a turning point for him to see these kids watching baseball. They get, you know, Sammy Sosa waves at them. So at this point, he stops gambling, right? He tries to further his relationship with Elizabeth. Uh, he uses some of the money. Now, he pays off the bookies, and then I think he goes to the bar owner, and it's one of those situations where, like, the bar sponsors the creation of these jerseys. Yeah. Uh, so we get this, like, they get these really high-quality, great, vibrant jerseys now, and this is, like, the, the thing that brings the kids together. It cements them truly as a team instead of these, like, kind of Garbo T-shirts that they had. He goes, he kind of, this whole movie, they're positioning him as like a father figure to these kids uh, who, you know, we don't know what the family situation is. We, you just have to assume that it's not great. Uh, but this is somebody that they, they look up to as a, as a father figure. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but, you know, let's, let's, let's roll with that. And he's, he's convinced them, like, we're going to the championship game one way or another. Uh, which I think was pretty great. We get some pretty cool shots of baseball happening. Nothing spectacular, like we've said, of this semifinal game, okay? And this is going to determine who goes to the championship. So it's pretty much neck and neck until this final inning. I think it's two to two. The, the Kakembas have a runner on first, and it all comes down to this kid, Jefferson, who throughout the movie, he's always shown up, he practices, but ultimately he's like a pretty lackluster baseball player. I think he's struck out every time we've seen him. So Keanu instead gives G-Baby his first shot at bat. Now G-Baby, at least in the beginning, is far too young to play on this team, but he's always been there and he's acted like, a, like an assistant coach. He's the younger brother of one of the other players. Now, He's going up to bat, and I think there's two strikes left, and Keanu pulls him aside. He's like, look, whatever happens, if you want to stand there and just let him strike you out, go for it. But if you're going to swing, swing for the fences. And then the movie uh, fades to black. And I was like, this can't be. I don't remember the movie ending like this. It was the most bizarre. It was such a weird fade, too. It was like this strange, uh, like, ghost figure and fading to black. It was very, <laughs> it, it was like glitchy, like something went wrong. Right. A lot of things went wrong with this movie. That fade is the least of what went wrong. Um, <laughs> Accurate. So it turns out we're going to find out what happened, but they, they didn't want to cut it correctly. Like a real movie would do that. So they're like, let's add a fade out. We'll never know what happened, except we're going to tell you in two minutes. 
It's like, okay, great. We cut to a shot long after the game. Connor is dropping the kids off at their homes. He was given this kind of station wagon from the securities guy or whatever. And because they live in a bad neighborhood, part of his gig was just to like drop the kids off, make sure their home's safe. Connor is dropping off. Um, I want to. S- it's G Baby and his older brother, yeah. and they're they're walking up to the front door of their housing project, and there are a group of rather unsavory people there, and they say, "No, you can't go in," because we find out that they're they're planning on killing somebody in there. But it was, I, you know. It was a nice gesture. Be like, no, don't go in. There's da- there's danger. So the kids have to walk. They have to take this other way. They have to basically go around the building and go in the back door. Long story short, the people that they were trying to kill bust through this back door. There's a shootout that occurs in in just a just a matter of seconds, and G Baby is struck by a bullet and killed. Right. So it was it was a very affecting scene. It's like ah, oh, Jesus Christ, the kid died. Right. You did you. Even in movies, I don't want to see that. That nope. you know, nope, nope. that was very hard to watch. Uh, there, there was a service, a funeral. Uh, just you know, uh, you would assume within a few days. Keanu gets up, Connor, and uh, he has some very lovely words to say. I, again, it's tough for me because the acting was on point. And the the mm-hmm. tears, you know, all of those emotions were on his face. And I just, I feel like there were parts of this movie that were left out where we see like these real deep, genuine connections with these kids. And we just skip to this part where there's this heartbreaking scenario that happens. But regardless, Keanu, he killed it for this scene, like hands down. It's really great acting. Um, everyone's appreciative of his, of the eulogy he delivers. Uh, and then as he's exiting the church, we find out that like the Kakembas don't have to play their last game. This, they made it to the championship, essentially. The ships. The ships. In the eulogy, Keanu describes what we missed at that fade to black, where G-Baby gets up to the plate a ball comes right down the middle and he crushes it like awesome. And they end up winning the game. And it was a really, really beautiful moment. Everyone was super happy about that. The team has other ideas about this. They want to play this championship game in his honor. So he's like, all right, I'll see you guys Saturday. They show up. Um, and the movie runs out of budget because we don't see this game. <laughs> Uh, but we do know that they win because at the end of the movie for a brief scene or two they are holding the championship trophies and there's only eight of them instead of nine or ten the the movie at one point had 11 kids on the team nine eight it 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 was all over the place uh and that's it that's the movie it you know chicago keanu reeves yeah hardball Mm mm-hmm the end. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. Yeah, yeah no notes. I, I, did I cover most of what was important about that? I think it was a pretty straightforward plot uh, to yeah. to unravel. Yeah, certainly Nailed not it. as difficult as some of our other uh, <laughs> our it. other ones there. So I guess the question uh, I'll toss it to both of you: Do you ultimately recommend this film? 
No. Uh, no. <laughs> Evan, I was about to fight you. <laughs> I was going to say. Because this is Evan's number one film. By the way. <laughs> uh, I also don't recommend this film. There are a lot of other, you know, if you're going to watch a Keanu sports movie, you know, obviously do the replacements. But uh, if you're going to watch like a baseball movie, even don't watch this either. Like there are other ones. <laughs> Bad News Bears would be the one I think to watch either, either the original or the remake. I would take either one of them over yeah. this. But I, you know, yeah, whatever. Whatever. All right. Now we get to the, the moment of truth about uh, rankings here. Where do you put this in your Keanu movie ranking? Um, right for me, it's right above Little Buddha because I hated that movie, and um, <laughs> it so makes I me think, sad. I think it's seventeen for me. Seventeen for Evan. Okay, above Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Okay, okay, yeah. Whitney, what do you got? Uh, I put it uh at twenty six between the night before. And young blood. Hmm. Okay. All right. I am I'm putting it somewhere down there too. I'm thinking probably I'm probably gonna put this at number twenty-four between the night before and flying for me. So Nobody uh, really cared for this movie. It's in the bottom quarter for most of us, bottom third. So it was a movie. There were some scenes. It was a movie. It, it exists. <laughs> it is indeed a film that Keanu was in. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. It fit the criteria quite well. It is extant, <laughs> as are we all. <laughs> nice. Well done. Extant. Great word. Great word. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites. I am super excited for next week. Oh, yeah. Evan. Hey, Evan. Man. You're going to be leading us through The Matrix Reloaded. It sure is. Are we looking forward to this one? Because I seem to recall some hesitance earlier on when we were talking about the first Matrix movie. I mean, I don't... Yes, I love Matrix. All things Matrix, but I think all the hesitance has come from me about oh, two and three. Okay, okay, all right. I've always told the joke of like, there, it's not a trilogy. There's no <laughs> sequel. There is it's no just spoon. the Matrix, yeah. right? Um, I have not seen two or three. I think since seeing, well, I saw two in the theater. Yeah, and I. Don't think I saw three in the theater. You were burned by two so badly that you didn't see I three? So. <gasps> I think so. Oh, wow. And I i mean, I did. I had to have seen three. I've seen three. I couldn't tell you when. It definitely was not in the theater. Okay. But I'm very curious to see now because I had certain expectations about what it was. And it was so not that right. going into two and three mm. that I feel like I'm not going to judge them nearly as harshly now as I did before. Yeah. Um. But I'm curious because I have spent years joking about there is no Matrix 2, there is no Matrix 3. So um, it'll be interesting to watch those. Yeah. I, I remember seeing both of these in theaters as well. And this one certainly has a lot of action in it. 
You could say that. If nothing else, there is a ton of action. I'd be curious how well this one ages. We know, like, in retrospect, knowing what we know about the Wachowskis, like, the the Matrix, one, has many layers of meaning now that were not apparent to us, you know, at the time, really. So I'm wondering if there's something more beneath the surface hmm. for Reloaded. Maybe too much beneath the surface, but hey, maybe there's something there that we can glean as a good thing. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Hmm. I think that brings us to the end. Did we yeah. do this thing? I think we, we did, did this thing. Oh my it? gosh. We did it. We're doing it. Whitney, what are you doing on the internet this week? Maybe you're not doing anything. It's Thanksgiving tomorrow. It is Thanksgiving. Yeah. So it's actually a pretty, pretty quiet week on the internet for me. I have, we just posted a, um, we reposted for historical hotties and our episode called, um, holiday merrymakers about thanksgiving nice and it's about people who have shaped uh, avoiding all of the you know colonialism stuff um people who've shaped the way that we think of american thanksgiving cool um and it was super interesting and one of them is the guy who ended up making all of the macy's he invented the macy's day parade balloons oh, basically he's like cool. a puppeteer Neat. um he also did all the window shops stuff for Macy's um all the window displays when it was like a thing to go down to Macy's and see the Christmas displays yeah um and then the other one is basically the woman who invented American Thanksgiving dinner cool there is like (laughs) one woman who is essentially responsible for everything that we think is is traditional Thanksgiving food and so we pit those two against each other it's a very interesting episode but I'm kind of quiet on on all the other fronts so I'm just going to say follow me on Twitter at Whitney underscore Nelson N-E-L-S-E-N and you can find everything for me there hells yeah nice F hey what's up man what are you uh what are you working on here? My notes, whatever that whatever I tried to write, I don't know what I was writing there. Maybe that was terrible dictation. I wrote what are, what are you, you doing, doing on the master? On the master. I don't know what that means, but what we, are you what are you uh, doing on the master? We agreed not to talk about that, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. On <laughs> master. <laughs> Nothing. Uh okay, I do great. some stuff on Instagram uh occasionally. Yeah. Um that's at Evan Acree, and um, yeah, your stories That's, are the highlight there. Yeah, you know they're few and far between, but they're saved on there. So if you want to go, go watch them from before, I usually only do stories when I travel, and so mm-hmm. actually, if you wanted to see me point break it up, go yeah. watch the California story. There you go. Among other things. If that's what you're into, go do that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, nothing too crazy. All right. Yeah. That's, hey, nothing too crazy. I like it. Mm-hmm. You can follow me uh, on most platforms at Dark Driving. Uh, particularly Twitter and Instagram are good places to uh, do that. I could say that if you are local to Philadelphia, uh, just just this one time, uh, I will be doing something for Black Friday that I think both Evan and Whitney know about oh, it, to yeah. some varying mm-hmm. degree. Uh, uh, which yeah, is, I don't know. I don't know the full extent, but yeah, should be exciting. I was aware of of the the like uh, planning stages. Yeah, so 
in the midst of all of the other Black Friday stuff that you will be bombarded with, you can also expect to be bombarded by me as well. So, <laughs> but it's cool. It's a little bit different. I'm excited for it to launch. So be on the lookout for that very cryptic thing that I'll be that I'll be doing. Ooh. And that brings us to the end. So in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Aggressive air drumming end. Mm. Good job. <laughs> Recording end. <laughs>